everyone has an opinion, but he's got the Von Hessler Doctrine. Eric Von Hessler on WSB. Live from Sherwood Forest, Hour 1 of the Von Hessler Doctrine begins now. I am the aforementioned Eric Von Hessler. You are listening to the fastest growing radio show in America. The doctrinaires are here, man of a thousand voices. That funny fella, Tim. Tim Andrews is here with us. Good morning. She's always adorable, always entertaining. Autumn Fisher is here with us. Good morning, and I want to say congratulations to Jesse Brooks. Oh, yes, uh, one of our producers had a child. That's right. A little baby boy, I believe. Yes, yes, a little baby boy. Congratulations to mom, dad, and the new edition. And speaking of, well, not new editions, a bit of a different edition here, because this is normally where I'd say the handsomest producer in all of producery, but we went, we one-upped it. We have even a handsomer guy with us this morning. Oh, he's aging, but he's, he's aging like a monkey. And now, I don't mean what? that. I don't like a monkey? Mean, I, no, Which not, one? An orangutan, a gorilla, a no, chimpanzee? No, 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 the TV music, fake musical group. Uh, he's aging like one of the oh, monkeys. Yeah. Hope he like, ages better than Davy Jones. Uh, I, I think he's doing pretty good. Okay. That's, that's English Nick, because hey. our, uh, our very own Jared Yamamoto is not with us today, because he doesn't care about the show, apparently, and he went to a wedding instead. West Palm Beach, I believe. Oh, wouldn't you like to be in West Palm Beach? Nope. I don't think I've ever been in West Palm Beach. I'd rather be right here, right now, doing this. Headlines for Friday, November 3rd. So English Nick is here to toss us the headlines. All right, so the Republicans launch into a sales push for their new tax plan, which they launched. Which they just, uh, what, it just came out yesterday. Rolled it out yesterday. 400 some odd pages. I'd like to be able to tell you I'm the kind of host who stayed up all night. Read through all 400 pages. I didn't do that because basically I know uh, the ins and the outs of all taxation. Uh, the, the way they get to you is by making taxation so complicated. But it's actually very simple. The co- how you look at taxes, very simple. But first, let's get to this little bill here. So uh, you got uh, Paul Ryan, of course, said something good about it. This plan. You know, there's this thing about politics in America now. It doesn't matter what it is. I went uh, because Tim Andrews was gathering some audio because Jared Yamamoto doesn't care about the show, <laughs> and he's in he's in Florida. Uh, I just went up to Tim Andrews and I said, uh, "Get me uh, Paul Ryan saying something good about the plan, and then get me a piece of audio of Nancy Pelosi saying something bad about the plan." And that's that's where we are in America. I just knew both of those. <laughs> I knew both of those clips were out there without having to actually listen. So let's go through the motions. This plan is for the middle class families in this country who deserve a break. That's the good thing. That's what Paul Ryan says. I think he has more. With this plan, the typical family of... You know, Paul, uh, Paul Ryan is... Uh, it, I think he's a smart dude. But uh, when he speaks, it's, uh, you look at that guy and you think, this guy could maybe be president one day, right? He's young. He's smart. Good looking. Good looking dude. He's got that weird Eddie Munster thing in the hair. <laughs> I don't, you know, get over that. Uh, <laughs> Obama had the ears, right? You can have right. one little thing and you, you can get over it, right? Have uh, there been other presidents that had widow's peaks? I do not believe so, but I've only been alive <laughs> for a few of them. Nixon. So, Nixon, did he get one? Well, don't want to mm. compare him to them. But So I mean, he looks like he's got a bright future in front of him, but he speaks like he's in fourth grade speaking to 4-H. You know what I mean? He's never, he doesn't have that. You look at the guy and you look at the package and you feel like he's going to be one of these great orators. But to me, he always looks like he's doing a book report. With this plan, the typical family of four will save $1,182 a year on their taxes. 
So uh, Tim Andrews, being a good producer for the day, got me Pelosi. It turns out she did say something bad about it. Today they have started to unveil a tax bill designed to plunder the middle class. Do you think they got together in meetings? Cigar, <laughs> let's plunder the middle class, see? <laughs> All right, I'll tell you what. Okay, we're going to be here for about an hour or so. We got pizza coming? Yeah, we got pizza. All right. What are we here, guys, is uh, before we get started writing this tax bill... First of all, let's agree that we want to plunder the middle class. Let's okay. destroy our base. If we can destroy the middle class, then we'll know we're on the right road. But don't bring me anything. Didn't ask me to consider it if it doesn't first destroy or plunder. Wait, wait, wait. Does it also harm poor people? <laughs> uh, we're going to do everything we can. I'm in. Yeah, the middle class and the poor. Right. <laughs> the word plunder, not used all that let's much. Let's get anymore. to plundering. Today, they have started to unveil a tax bill designed to plunder the middle class in order to put the uh, What's going on there? to put into the pockets of the wealthiest one percent more money. She has Alzheimer's or something. What's, what's happening? She's, She's breathing. Is she okay? This happens every time. Now she gives a speech. Is this Wendy Williams the other Friday day? the Thirteenth? <laughs> Nancy, what do you think about this new tax proposal? <laughs> <laughs> Who was that cartoon character? Uh, Who was the, the, the smut? <laughs> oh, yeah. Dastardly and Muttley? <laughs> yeah, Muttley. <laughs> it's not even a pregnant pulse. It's like a weird breath. No, it's like... Uh... You're right, Autumn. It does sound like the uh, Friday the 13th thing, you know? It's like, the, yeah, the, the, uh, the teenage girl is walking from room to room, and it's menacing. You know there's something in that house somewhere. <laughs> Nancy's still celebrating Halloween. <laughs> oh, plundered the middle class. Poor oh, lady. That's, that's, uh, that's where we stand. I'll tell you one thing. I, I know that some of our... Uh, we're going to talk to Jay Black at the, about 924 or so for get our update on our number one dogs. And inside of this tax bill, uh, you lose a write-off. I didn't know that this was uh, was even in there, but you lose a write-off that was available to you for buying season tickets, I believe, uh, to dogs games. Not just dogs games, but college games in general. Yeah, 80%. An 80%, 80% write-off. It's a big you're, deal. You're able to write it off because apparently it can go into uh, charitable contributions mm -hmm. to the school. To, uh, and so there'll be some mm. some fans. Some fans might be a little bit uh, annoyed, but uh, I, you know the thing is, for me, this doesn't go nearly far enough. Uh, but if I if I if I got what I wanted, this is all you'd hear. It's, it's, it would, would be, it's all you'd hear if Eric got what he wanted, because <laughs> not good or bad. Just unlike most people, Eric understands. How taxation works. You know, it's, that's why they all pull from the books here, because it's, you know, well, let's just tell the poor that they're just, it's just good for the rich, and then they'll put us back in power. We'll have more power. Because the truth is, uh, uh, when you understand taxation, a lot of it is counterintuitive. You know, the idea that cutting taxes could actually bring more revenue into the government is what's happened with, under Kennedy and Reagan. And it's counterintuitive. So how do you get more, how do you get more revenue if you cut taxes, I was talking with Scott Slade about this uh, earlier. You know, the sweet spot, first of all, there's no such thing as a corporation, a big corporation. I'm not talking about small businesses. It applies to them a little bit, but not as much as, you know, the big corporations, the one people, the, the corporations people love to hate. 
you know, that, the ones who get Pelosi all upset. This is what you need to understand. Large corporations have never paid a penny in tax in the history, all right, Nancy, in the history of, uh, of this country. Because higher taxation is worked into all the products that you buy. And higher taxation affects all competitors at the same level. So if you're a huge corporation, you don't have to worry about the fact that the other huge corporation that you compete against will undercut you because they have, they're in the same bracket you are. So they have to pay all the same taxes you do. So the idea that they act, oh, we raised corporate, corporate taxes, so we're going to bring in... No, it doesn't work that way. You raise corporate taxes, they build it into the price of the products that you buy. So you raise corporate taxes on Unilever or whoever makes Colgate or whatever, that's not, it's never paid by the corporation or their competitors. They both work it into the tube of toothpaste that you buy, whether it's two cents or three cents or five cents a tube, whatever it is. And who does that hurt the most? It's a hidden tax on, on whom? It's a hidden tax on the middle class. It's a hidden tax on the poor. Because the rich have to pay the same thing for each tube of toothpaste, but they can absorb it. They're rich. It doesn't affect their lifestyle at all. So what you're effectively doing is when you raise corporate taxes like that, corporations who have products that you can buy, you are actually passing a hidden tax on the middle class and the poor simply because it's going to affect them more than it affects anybody else. And that's counterintuitive to people. Also, here's another counterintuitive thing. That if you get taxes down to 20% corporate tax rate, which is what they're calling for here. I think Trump wanted 15%. I would love to have 15%. But when you get to 20% might be the sweet spot. What you're looking for is the sweet spot on corporate taxation where it costs the corporation less to just pay the taxes than it does to bring in a whole bunch of accountants and financial minds to figure out how not to pay the taxes. Mm. So if the taxes are up by 35% or something like that, it's worthwhile to bring people in to figure out how, where to put the money, what companies, what offshore place, what put it into investment, whatever you have to do to not pay the taxes. You bring it down to 15 or 20%, it costs more to bring that team of financial minds in, so therefore it's easier just to pay the taxes. And what that turns into is that counterintuitive notion that lowering taxes actually brings in more revenue. So it's that the Democrats know this, the left, I should say, and an awful lot of people on the right as well. Not many people pay attention to economics. It's very easy to just split people apart and say, he's rich and he's stealing from you. Uh, Look, this is what I believe. When you're in power, you have conservatives in power, fiscal conservatives, or people who are more fiscally conservative than, than, the, than the, the Democrats, just get what you can. This isn't enough for me. I think we could do much better than this. But I'm aware of the fact that conservatives are not going to be in power forever. So while you're there, just get what you can. What I, would, I don't like the idea even, sometimes you'll hear uh, Republicans, I think I heard Paul Ryan say a couple of days ago, um, we're going to put money back in your pocket. Mm-hmm. You're not putting money back in my pocket. You're leaving money in my pocket. <laughs> this is my money first. You stop taking it you, out of yeah, my yeah. pocket. You're not giving it to me. We know Republicans now will talk about, oh, we're going to give you money. How can you give me my money? They're giving you a Christmas gift. That's uh, what Trump says. Uh, Trump yeah. says you're going to not giving me a Christmas gift. You're going to love it. Unwrap it. It's going to be great. <laughs> we may even put it in your stocking. <laughs> you know, when they got, when they got the, the idea of taking your taxes out of your paycheck before so your taxes are taken out before you even get the money right 
That's why it's so easy to raise taxes on people. Because people don't even think about their gross pay as their pay. <clears throat> they think about their net pay as their pay. The only time people talk about their gross pay is when they're a little bit drunk at a party and they're bragging about how much money they're making with their new raise. But in reality, in their mind, they know they have to run their lives based on the net pay. I'm in favor of not doing that at all. You get everything in your paycheck, and then you make a decision. Once every quarter or once every year, you sit down and you write a check out to the government. Let me tell you something. If that happened, taxes would be at like 17%. The highest rate would be like 17%. If everybody had to sit down, and do you think they don't know that? Of course they know that. Take it before they get it. Get them into a mindset. You know, that is your money. For me, I would have a flat tax. It would be 17%. Because 17% of what Bill Gates makes and 17% of what I make and 17% of what a dishwasher make are all different. Are all different. Now, if you did that, you would have to make sure that you actually got 17% from Bill Gates. I understand that. But if you could devise a system where you actually got 17% of everybody's money, that would be a fair tax system. That would be fair. The concept of our taxation now is based on the idea that the rich stole it from you to begin with, and the government is here to steal it back from the rich, <laughs> skim a little off the top, and give it back to you. More on this, and Jay Black joins us to talk about your number one Bulldogs when we return. Welcome back. I'm Eric Von Hessler. This is the Von Hessler Doctrine. The other voices you hear are the doctrinaires. We're going to bring in WSB Sports Director Jay Black. Just one moment. I want to let people know our autumn breakfast tour continues next Wednesday, November 8th. We are coming back to McDonough, going back to the south side, going back to Kirby G's on the McDonough Square. We'll do our live radio show from 9 to 11, and uh, then we're going to do a Q&A afterward for as long as you guys want to ask questions. We, you, we were recording the podcast on these things. Not going so well technically, so we're going to do a Q&A after the show. But uh, come to Kirby G's on McDonough Square and enjoy us. As that music indicates, yes, we have WSB Sports Director Jay Black here. Big game this week. They're all big games now when you're number one, Yes, right? they are. It'll be against South Carolina, the Gamecocks, who... Kind of an afterthought when the uh, the season started, but second year under Coach Will Muschamp, they've got a three game winning streak, got up to uh, to six and two. So they're a, they're a competent ball club, but the dogs are a, a twenty point four twenty four point favorite. So shouldn't be an issue if Georgia plays like it has all season long. I know we can't get into the heads and the minds of uh, the people on the on the committee yes. that uh, does the polling now from now to the to the playoffs. Um, do you think it matters to them that not that that the Bulldogs not, not only win but actually win by a great deal? What did you say? Yes, you they have do to cover what you're expected, right? Yeah, I mean they they're watching the games. They're they're saying, okay, Georgia kind of messed around a little bit with South Carolina. They, you know, if that, if that happens, you know, if you win a, a close game, if you win it, but don't do what you're but supposed to. They notice, right? Okay, yeah. And uh, but, but so far, this team has stepped up to every challenge. You want a team, and they appear to be a team that when the spotlight is on them, the the brighter the spotlight the better they play. So far, it's looked that way. Right? And that's what I really noticed against Florida. Obviously, Georgia struggles against Florida forever. Huge game. Every year, there's always just a ton of emotion. People get fired up over first downs, right? Yeah. Georgia's just destroying Florida. And everybody acted like it was expected on that bench. Yeah. There was no crazy celebrations. They knew, we're going to do this, 
And that's exactly what happened, and, and there was no surprises. And that, not, that's a good sign. It's also a sign of good coaching. Yes. Of, uh, and that uh, all uh, comes from the top. Act like you've been there yep. sort of thing. So when do we get started? Right here on WSB with all the coverage and whatnot. Our tailgate show begins at 11.30 tomorrow and then kick off between the hedges at 3.30 right here on WSB. Sports director, WSB sports director, Jay Black. Who doesn't have his hat quick, like everybody else here. <laughs> quickly becoming... One of my best friends. People don't know this behind the scenes, but he and I, oh, yeah, you know, we're, we're always out about the town. You're my favorite guy from Buffalo. Look out, ladies, when Jay Black hey, and Eric Von Hetzler <laughs> hit the town. Thanks, Jay. We'll be back with stories from Studio B1. Welcome back. I'm Eric Von Hessler. This is the Von Hessler Doctrine. The other voices you hear are the doctrinaires. And it is now time for us to do this right here. He's a misanthrope, he has a dark heart, and he needs a good psychiatrist. New York, New York. It's Greg Russ with stories from Studio B1. All right, Gregory, how are you this week? Uh, This week has been pretty good. Right now my stomach's hurting a bit. Oh, well, uh, have you taken, you got any kind of like bicarbonate type of stuff? Maybe some (laughs) Alka-Seltzer works for me. I just think age is catching up because uh, here's what I had for breakfast. And this isn't uncommon. Yeah. Uh, I bought some Friendly's brand limited edition pumpkin ice cream. (laughs) And and then I dumped Golden Grams into it. Hey, that's beautiful. It's great. Look, it tastes wonderful. It's like such a great combination. But But, uh, it it doesn't settle into the gut as into the gut of a 35-year-old the way that it settles into the gut of a 17-year-old, I would think. Or even a 34-year-old. Last year, everything was fine. How often, but it's, it's... How often would you say that you start your day with some sort of ice cream product for breakfast? Uh, four days. <laughs> wow. A week. Well, you know what? Let's try to squeeze in some stories from Studio B1 while we have you. Because I yeah, we'll start, like... we'll start with this one. This is while we're talking about sugar and terrible diets. Uh, the FDA warns don't overdose on black licorice, which, you know, Halloween just happened. Yeah. And hopefully there's not too much black licorice out there because the people handing that, are, that out are awful. That's not a good candy choice. Yeah, you know, but, you gotta, uh, I think for most people you say, look, if you're, if you're, if you're going to hand out licorice, you should just go ahead and hand out something cool like Twizzlers. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's licorice type. I hear, I hear a story like this, Eric, uh, and I think, what is it, 1848? Because no, I don't know anyone that likes Well, this black is licorice. why nobody's actually dropping dead from yeah. black, black licorice, because nobody's eating it. Right. I would think. It's like, except maybe, you know, like when I was a kid, I would go over to my great grandmother's house, like somebody who, who was alive for. You know, maybe three years while I was aware I was on the planet. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and when you're a kid, you have this thing in your head. It's like you just look for candy everywhere you go. When you're four or five years old, you're low to the ground. Candy is quite often on coffee tables. You sniff you, it out. You sniff it out and you yeah. find it. And I remember being at uh, my great grandmother's house, and it was that uh, that that hard ribbon candy. Ribbon candy. No yeah. kid wants it. How do you? How is it possible to create a candy that children do not want? Well, it looks nice on the counter, and nobody. We'll eat it. That, that's the other thing. It's got the Christmassy look to yeah. it. And it still turns <laughs> off a kid. So what is this? I, I saw something on this. And so if you're over 40, eating two, ounces, eating two ounces of black licorice a day for at least two weeks uh, could land you with an irregular heart rhythm. Now, there's an ingredient called uh, glycerizin that's in the licorice. Uh, you eat too much of this. 
high blood pressure, swelling, lethargy, and uh, maybe even heart failure can now, come this, your way. It's just one of those things where they're just putting it together. Like they never thought in the past to look for, hey, do you eat a lot of black licorice? And now <laughs> now they know to ask the question. Somebody showed up who'd eaten a lot of black licorice, and therefore oh goodness, there, here we are. There it is. Yeah. People are eating the, too many good and plenties. There is some. You know, I, I'm not totally opposed to black licorice. What is two ounces a day? I mean, that's not that much. So it's uh, it, no, it's equal to eating three one-inch pieces of black licorice so for 14 days in a row. Somebody could do that. Somebody yes, could, very you, easily. You could you could just have somebody break up with you, and for like 14 <laughs> days, <laughs> just, just sit there with black licorice, Greg's, Greg's pump, pumpkin ice cream, <laughs> mom, mom. <laughs> ribbon candy, and some black licorice, and so you could actually be affected by something like that. You know, here's my. I think I look at this, and I'm glad that we're, this is an information show. Yeah, and I want to get, I want to help people out. You know, that's what we come here for. It's not just Clark Howard. Eric von Hessler wants to help people out by taxes, on, taxes, uh, and black licorice. Explaining it all. Yeah. Trying to explain it all here. So I'm glad we're getting the word out that you don't want to eat too much black licorice. But I, I really feel like when this story was going, uh, there's like 17 people in America who went, "Aw, <laughs> there goes my favorite pastime." <laughs> what am I going to w- do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If any kids did get licorice in their Halloween basket, they've thrown that away long ago. Or there's an old guy, there's an old guy somewhere like, I'm going to keep eating it, it's not about me. You keep bringing me my black licorice. (laughs) The government? Alex Jones says it's a plot for the government to... Oh, there's all a scam here. They don't want you eating it because what it does is it cures cancer. (laughs) Yeah, the the next oldest person in the world, like who's 117, is going to be asked, well, how did you do it? Black licorice every day, at least two ounces. I smoked it. I like, I like when they when they, when they have the the, uh, the they they'll go find the oldest person in the world. They'll be like 117 or 118, and and, and they they it's not that they talk weakly. Like the weakness comes from they say they're just like he was he was always having to do with his cigarettes and having a shot of whiskey every day. I said. Every morning we'd look at the TV and see President Eisenhower. Eisenhower? I, the guy was probably 70 when Eisenhower That's right. He's a young whippersnapper. It's like uh, Pelosi's, uh, Pelosi's sigh. <laughs> Every time you so what's the secret of living to 117? And they're always sitting there, they're like, they can't even look up, and they're like... Ugh. A lot of wheeze going on. Cup of tea! Cup of tea! Sardines! <laughs> Alright. Next. What time. an awful existence. Yeah, I don't I, even want to get there. I don't want to be the oldest person in the world. <laughs> unless the oldest person in the world turns out to be 53 because of some cataclysmic event. Yeah, it's a curse. That's not a record you want. You know what? Every time they celebrate, there's always the oldest. First of all, I don't know if you've noticed this, but it doesn't last long. Once you find out somebody's the oldest person in the world, it's not long before they're gone and somebody else comes along. So when I look at it, it's always celebrated. Oh, old Sarah Perlman. She's 117 years old. Make the most oh, of it. Yeah. And they show like the birthday party and you know she's sitting there like there's a, they got one of those, uh, those stupid pointy hats on there. The party hat is on. like, <laughs> She's all hunched over. The first thing that I think is, well, it's not going to be long now because this doesn't last long. Once you get- no, and then you're at the point where your kids are dying before you, yeah. just of old age. Your kids, everyone you ever had a good time with is dead. 
that you're just surrounded by strangers. You know, it's not natural. It's just isolating and lonely. Yeah. I, I want to be, you know, and also here's another thing is you can live too long. Like we, we all do things that, uh, that, uh, you know, that we're kind of ashamed of or they haunt us or I wish I could go back in time and not say that or, or not do that, that thing when I was 16 or whatever. If you live long enough, at some point, about 105, that's all, it's just going to be all consuming. So, oh, you know how many people, like, I saw, I don't know what I'm talking about this, but I saw an interview with an architect who was 92 years old, and he was all there. I mean, he was all there. He was sharp. He was asked questions about his career. He was right on. He had the mind of, uh, I don't know, an 88-year-old. He was really, no, but he was all there. He was sharp. And then they got to, like, the middle of the interview, and the lady asked him about his support for Hitler. And he started crying. <laughs> as, as celebrated as he is, he's 92 years old. He's still got to live with the fact that for, like, six months or so, he walked around telling people, hey, this Hitler. I, I, I think he's just exactly what Germany needs. This Adolf. This Adolf. He's all right. Is Adolf. You don't want to live so long that you're only left with your worst memories. He was misunderstood. Everybody that under put it in context for you is long since dead now you have to explain yourself get to another story there gregory uh kim jong-un is terrified of south korean soap operas such as decadence or descendants of the sun excuse me descendants of the sun because he's scared that these shows will crack open the the secrecy yeah. that north korea has inflicted on its uh citizens and you know reveal to them wow people in other parts of the world they have it pretty good first of all uh, like their soap operas deal with north korean concentration camps those must be some very that's a that's a different that's a different kind of soap opera yeah. i guess it's different part of the world i've never seen that you know in the soap operas that my mom used to watch certainly wasn't as the world turns uh but yeah i understand he's actually you know what was that movie a few years ago that the north koreans uh they did some funny business the interview the, yeah the with fun- seth rogan yeah. and james franco it, it's what's interesting I, I read an uh a review of that it was all a big pompous review you know like mm-hmm. uh, well it's too bad that uh, Seth Rogen didn't make a more important movie for this moment. It was but, funny. But you know what? It was funny. But you know what? If you watch that movie on Netflix, what comes up next to it? Uh, you watch, In your queue, people who watch this also watch. And then in your queue are documentaries about North Korea. And you actually learn stuff. There's, uh, there's actually, in entertainment... You can actually get the truth across, and comedy works for this as well. Even slapstick comedy. I consider that movie a slapstick comedy movie. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's exactly what it was. And so from these soap operas, which can be so popular, you know, the stars get popular, and you know there are people in South Korea smuggling it into North Korea because everybody wants to see their stories. I don't care what your situation is. Everybody wants to see their stories. And so... Although this guy is a madman and he's he's a paranoid, I don't think that this is paranoid. I think it's absolutely correct that it would be things like that, um, Western-style entertainment, that could bring him down. That happened in Russia. It happened in Russia because you start watching these shows and then you either like dig the show or you don't. But what you notice is no breadlines. Right. Mm-hmm. Where is this coming from mm-hmm. that they have some kind of society where I don't have to queue up for two hours to get some soup? In the Soviet Union, it all started with Dallas. They loved Dallas and they saw it and they're like hey it ain't that bad yeah in belarus it was not landing but you know there's a well yeah <laughs> there's so, joe van ark fans in belarus <laughs> so uh yeah i, I think uh, i think he he should be worried about stuff like that that's why that's why he's doing the nuclear thing because he knows he has no, no he has no real support he has to keep the world out 
You've got to well, yeah, the, the world out. The concern is that if North Koreans get wind of what's going on outside of their country. He can't, you know, act against South Korea while the U.S. is protecting it. So he wants the nuclear weapons to try to drive a wedge in between the U.S. and Just, South Korea and get the U.S. out of the picture. And then not a, not, not because not, it would be an uprising. Ultimately, really, what would sure. probably happen is an, an internal uprising of his citizens, and that throws him out of power. Let so. me tell you something. Everybody wants to be able to go shopping. You know what I mean? Like in life, everybody, why don't we have more rebellion and revolts in America? Because you can always go to a nice air-conditioned movie theater and see the latest Marvel spectacle mm-hmm. up on the big screen. They don't have that. So entertainment is, in a way, a distraction. And if you can you can you imagine they have those great galas for the North Koreans where everybody gets together yeah, and they're yeah. coordinated and they do the yeah, choreography. Not, you know what's interesting about the, when you see those uh, those big parades and everything's coordinated. There's something about North Korea. Maybe it's the buildings. They're all fake. I, but to me, it always looks like I'm watching television in the 1960s. It's as if they're frozen. You know, like every building is like pea green. They were all built then. Yeah, exactly. And they just keep yeah. painting them those pastel colors. And, and in the 1960s, parades were all the rage. Right. With missiles. Yeah, these days, the kids Yeah, like everybody has their place in those parades. They're yeah. all stood in perfect yeah. lines, and yeah. And they do it so they can get fed. Do we have time for one more story, DeMarco? Can I, can I squeeze one more in? All right, thank you. One more story there from Studio B1. Well, you mentioned going to the movies to watch some, you know, the latest Marvel flick. Theaters. Oh, yeah. uh, theater t- stocks are tumbling. They're tumbling? Why are Yeah, some- after, after Disney says it's going to take a large slice of The Last Jedi sales. Oh, so... They're, the- they're going to take 65% of the ticket money. And if the studios or the, the theaters, excuse me, don't show the film on the biggest screens and the largest auditoriums, then they have to give them 70% of the these ticket These poor sales. theaters. These poor theaters who can barely... You know, people wonder, why is the popcorn $18? Because they don't make money no. off the actual ticket. They make the money off the concessions. They basically give away the tickets. Like yeah. You can get a $5 group on for yeah. studio. And then they get you in there. They get you yeah. in there, and it's like, hey, you're in that room for the next three hours. Yep. So, hey, if you want anything to eat or drink, <laughs> <laughs> you're going to have to pay through the nose. That's too bad. Because I think uh, it's in the interest of Star Wars and that franchise that more people go to the theater. So they should maybe compromise. But what do I know? What am I, some sort of expert in theater sales, retail? Hell no, I'm not. All right, Greg, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back, and I want one more story from Studio B1. Is that okay? That's okay. All right. All right, Gregory, why don't you try to hit me with one more story from Studio B1? We don't have a whole lot of time in this segment. All right, this happens, you know, every now and then, but I think it's worth reporting on. The McRib is coming back. <laughs> of course, it's. Of, this is a news and information show. If the McRib is coming back, I want my people to know. I thought it was gone forever. Thank heavens. They're yeah, like- it's the 35th uh, uh, year anniversary, Tim. Not that they're changing anything about it, but that's, you know, it's a milestone. Uh, First of all, uh, there are people who are devotees to the McRib. There are cults built around it. Mm -hmm. And then you have to add in, I've noticed this about our millennial friends. They really like these sort of novelty food things. Like, they love things that are just available, and they can line up for them, and they can talk to each other about McRibs, and, and, and it's, it's, some of it's true, but it's laced with irony, the fact that we would be talking, and yes, we are, and the whole hipster millennial nonsense. You know, I think it's also, like, instant nostalgia. Yes. Yeah, that is true. It's not for me, though, because let me tell you this, although I have been a fan of McDonald's since I was a child... 
I do not like the McRib. I do not get what people like about the McRib. I had one. I had one in 1992. And I can still... <laughs> you remember the year. I remember it. You're I remember still burping it, it up I, every once in a while? There's something that's, you know, look, food is subjective, right? So there's cults. This is it's weird to me that there are cults built up around this thing because unless I got one bad one in 1992, wouldn't that be a shame if there was only one bad one in the country? In Why don't the you and I go get a McRib together next week? Mm-hmm. I've never tried it. I'll try one. Okay. I haven't either. Yeah. I love them. Oh, so. you know what? Look, you guys can try them and report back to me, but I've already done I've done my duty. I did that in 1992 and I can still You know the um what I the, what's weird about it is they do some kind of press thing to make it look like there's uh, actual ribs in there like there's bones. Ah, but it's just Yeah, like they, they mold it. They mold it and it's just sort of, you know, it's delicious pork. Give me What does it look like without the sauce on it? Well, I, I was I was actually going to bring that up, Autumn. It's a fun thing to do. Lick or wash the sauce off and take a look at that thing. <laughs> well, ask the guy who worked there and actually made them. They look like uh, little pork hamburgers and they're delicious. Yeah. Well, I know you I mean, I'm telling you, people love them. I, I particularly There's, myself, I don't, but I uh, I'm I go to McDonald's quite often. I'm usually a, a Big Mac guy. <laughs> Call me boring. No, they're great. Call me boring, but I like Well, in general, good. fast food's making kind of a comeback. Mcdonald's stocks are up 40% and yeah. Burger King and uh, Taco Bell. They're, well, they're but all they got on board. Too. They got on board with the millennials is what they did. Uh, like, uh, what was that Rick and Morty thing? They wanted the, the whole Szechuan sauce. Szechuan 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 Szechuan. sauce. And so they brought that back and got, you know. We need the McCheddar melt back. Just throwing it out there. <laughs> that sounds good to me. Oh, it's delicious. Uh, better than the McRib, as far as I Hey, Greg. Yes. Thank you very much for Stories from Studio B1. You're no, welcome. No podcast today, so we'll talk to you next week. I know. Enjoy your weekend. All right. We'll be back. Eric Von Hessler on WSB. English Nick is going to give us more headlines in a moment. Before we go there, though, I meant to bring this up earlier in the week. The Astros uh, winning the World Series. That's their first World Series championship in their entire history. And I have a friend, I have a good friend who's an Astros fan. I'm happy for him. As I was watching, I, didn't, I wasn't able to watch a lot of the series. But um, one thing I noticed is I think it's very difficult, because the Astros won it in Los Angeles, right? Yes. Yeah. Which is really a bummer, because if you win at home, the whole place goes crazy. I mean, you win on the road, there's a bunch of guys jumping on each other in the middle, uh, by the mound, and the rest of the, everybody else is just going home. Leaving mad. Yeah, it's kind, of, <laughs> it's kind yeah. of a weird sort of celebration. <clears throat> but it occurs to me that it must be very difficult to win in that stadium, because Larry King is sitting right behind home plate <laughs> and so if you're a pitcher if you're a pitcher like if i was a pitcher you gotta look at that gargoyle <laughs> but beyond that it's larry king once you see larry king <laughs> you can't unsee it how do you unsee it like how do you how do you not like okay that's not larry how do you put that out of your mind and just focus on the box look at me <laughs> Plus, when you go home and get to sleep, you're dreaming about Laurie King, too. How you doing? (laughs) If I still had a show, I'd let you come on in. The only thing holding him up are those suspenders. My braces. (laughs) Yes, and that's the... Also, as the the, uh, innings go by... He, he gets smaller and smaller in his chair. And then Excellent. by the end, you're just looking at the eyes of Larry King. Peeking over the uh, wall. <laughs> and to the right of Larry King, you've got the older blonde lady who used to be on Entertainment Tonight. I can't remember her name. But yeah, she's I don't know. But Larry Mary King. Hart. Yeah. What do you think of this World Series? <laughs> 
I just don't know. As a pitcher, you know, you really have to focus. This is the worst. Tonight on Larry King Live, Newt Gingrich sits with me at a baseball game. <laughs> you really got to focus it all out. It's just you. You're trying to put it in the... And it's like, I do look like Zorak. <laughs> all right, let's do this. More headlines for Friday, November 3rd. So what I'm saying is the Astros deserve a little extra credit yeah. for winning it. With Larry King staring him down. <laughs> but before you get to more headlines, sure. I, I should get off this topic. But let's say, as a viewer, <laughs> as a viewer, once you see Larry King back there, do you ever stop seeing Larry King no, back there? No, you can't get it Every out of your head. Single shot. When you close your eyes, it's there. <laughs> All right, more headlines. All right, if you went looking for real Donald Trump on Twitter yesterday for a short time, it said that the page didn't exist. This all happened when a, uh, an employee who was on his last day or her last day deactivated Trump's account. <laughs> so we have the employee here. You, de- you deactivated Trump's <laughs> account on Twitter. Yeah, I did it. <laughs> uh, you don't like the president, is that it? No, he's stupid. <laughs> And so you figured on the way out the door, you'd uh, you'd do something for hashtag resistance. Yeah, because we know what we're doing. <laughs> so uh, and we know why we're doing it. You only get, but it's only eleven minutes. Yeah. It's only eleven minutes. I beg to differ. You lose eleven minutes, and you could lose the world. <laughs> so uh, this is exactly why I did it. I hope she gets fired. I want an investigation. Where is the Justice Department? It was her last Excuse day. Me, I don't, don't care. I want her thrown in. Don't assume Get my mo. pronoun. Get thank mo. you. Don't assume Get my mo. pronoun. You sound like a woman, okay? Don't assume I, my pronoun. I'm you assuming that you're a woman. <laughs> uh, enough with this assume, political but correct you know what you garbage. Do when you assume. I'm not even going to say it because I respect WSB, but you know, we all know what we do when we assume. So that's right. So, uh, what, are there tweets that you weren't able to fire off in those? As a matter of fact, there are three. Ready? Okay. Uh, Big Bang Theory. Still got it. <laughs> You see, I did you a favor. You're welcome. All right, now here's the other one, okay? What is it with breathy Nancy Pelosi? She can't complain without losing her place. Wake up! See? And then the last one watching Dodgers Astros. What happened to Larry King? Is he a walking corpse? So old. Sad. Okay, now that one I regret. I wish I'd let him do that. You, know, you wish you don't like Larry King either, huh? Well, I just thought it was funny, so. Who's on Kimmel tonight? <laughs> So 11 minutes. You know, actually, we're laughing about this, but it, it it shows something that's very, very dangerous. This is the President of the United States. Most powerful person, not only in this country, most powerful person in the world. And now, I don't know how much access this Twitter employee had on the way out the door. And if this is all they could do was bring it down for a few minutes till the company put it back up. But if there's more access, this is quite dangerous. I was there reading his DMs. You could uh, direct messages? Yes. Yes. Well, they could also change. Because I don't know, when you said reading his DMs, I got like a bathroom no, kind no, of no. thing. No, no, Direct, direct messages. DMs. Okay. Right. One other point, real quick, is, so the point was to knock him off of Twitter. Yeah. Well, what happened? It started trending that it got knocked off of Twitter, so everybody went to look, and yeah. then when it was back up, the first tweet they saw was, Donna Brazil admits that, that uh, you know, uh, right. rigged the election. Right. Which we'll get into uh, mm-hmm. our next, thank you for getting us to our next story. Here's another thing, though, that, uh, that a couple things could happen. So If someone was able to get into his, now this was not the POTUS account, this was the real mm-hmm. Donald Trump account, um, which is where people expect to get the real stuff from the, from, from the, from the president. Um, a couple of things could happen. Uh, what if he, somebody could get in there and tweet uh, that that Trump was going to go after a company that's on Wall Street, 
right? Let's say I, let's say I want to make a big cash out on a company, and I had this access. So I go, I cash out, I tweet as the president that there's an investigation coming, the tank stocks, I win. Right. Or some sort of nuclear declaration. I've decided to launch nuclear missiles yeah. against North Korea. This is a real thing to worry about. I mean, people talk about the Twitter stuff. I'm, I'm over it. Uh, the president tweets and he says what's on his mind. Okay, fine. I'm over it. But there needs to be maybe a little extra protection mm-hmm. around... You know, I'm off of Twitter. This, this show is not on Twitter at all. There was a person uh, that uh, pretended to be me found a, a, a leftist African-American woman, known leftist, you know, by her page, showing what, you know, and as, as my name kept on hurling racial insults until this lady contacted the press. And the first that I heard about it, I had zero idea about it, was when that happened, because she copied us in on everybody else. And she's like, this man is sick. He's depraved. He must be stopped. And then I saw the tweets that were put out in my name, and they were twisted and depraved and horrible. And I'm just, uh, I mean, I'm a pretty important fella as far as local radio goes, but I can't launch a nuke. So I think the president's account needs to be a little more secure than mine. Absolutely. When I had one, because I don't have one anymore, because Twitter is a cesspool. That account, by the way, is gone. Oh, well, that's good. No, we had to have security. We had to clamp down. The whole thing had to happen. It took an entire weekend to get that account out of there. But uh, then something else happened. They wouldn't help out at Twitter. And I'm like, you know, I'm off it. Because if I tell people all the time that I'm not on Twitter, then that's just a known fact when somebody tries to do something stupid. Right. So next to- say, You know, it's uh, funny. We don't want Trump to tweet so much. Like, we don't want to put it in his hands that easily. But then when we take it out of his hands, then something like this could happen. Exactly. Well, exa- well I just think there just needs to be more security. Or maybe just don't be on Twitter. You're president. Well, uh, well oh, really? What, you want to go back to 2015? Oh, really? You want to go, really go back to 2015 and do a show again? You get off Twitter. Yeah. How about that? How about that, well, Autumn? You know what? You know what? Look, I, you, know, you, know, like... you know what Donald Trump told me? He never liked any of your vines. Here's another and... one of her face, sad face selfies. <laughs> sad. Get one of them schlogs going on Autumn, again. Autumn can't get over the fact that Vine is gone. I know. RIP. So, never forget. But right. I'm just saying. Yeah, next story. All right. Tim touched on it. Former Democratic National Committee Chair Donna Brazile uh, says that the primary was rigged for Hillary Clinton. Yeah, she has a new book out. Now, this is, this is interesting. So Donna Brazile says that she went in there because, remember, uh, the, the Wasserman Schultz uh, got kicked out. In the middle of the campaign, mm-hmm. Donna Brazil was brought in, and now in this book, she's finally revealing what she found, and it's amazing. You know what she found? What she found was the DNC before going, like in 2015, 2015. going into 2016, was broke. Why were they broke? Because President Obama left them with so much debt. And he was paying it down so slowly that they weren't able to ramp up. So Hillary Clinton made a deal with the DNC. She would bail them out. But for bailing them out, they had, she basically got control of the message of the fundraising. They, they were not allowed to put out any messages through the entire primary without first running them through the Hillary Clinton campaign. She controlled finances and Ultimately, we, we now find out that it is true. It, it's true. It was rigged in her favor because she was running the show. And even that uh, weirdo, Elizabeth Warren, uh, says it was rigged. Very quickly, Senator, do you agree with the notion that it was rigged? Yes. 
Yes. Well, you can't see it from the audio, but she was exasperated when yeah. she made that comment there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, how about this? Hillary Clinton is out there with this book and this one-woman show, What Happened? <laughs> oh, boy. It would seem to me that if you're going to write a book about the campaign... Something as significant as striking a deal with the DNC to pay down the president's debt and then control the message. I, I guess it was in the first draft of the book, and the editor said, no, this is too long. we got to cut it out. <laughs> yeah. I fought for it to be there, and they told me to take it out. Yeah, I'll what bet do you want that. me to do? I'll bet People that. tell me to do things, I do them. When Donna Brazil called me, by the way, Bernie here. Yeah. When Donna Brazil called me before uh, the election, actual election, told me what happened, I stepped aside and I said, "Look, even though Hillary's corrupt and she lied and she stole the thing, I got to back off because I'm a, a, a cis white gendered male, <laughs> and I can't get in the way of the the, the the women's message." I mean, there's a couple things here. You got to break a few eggs to make an omelet. That. Number one, the fact that Donna Brazil is writing this in a book right now means there's a movement in the Democrat Party to eject the Clintons mm -hmm. and get them off. Because they know that Hillary running around the country, getting on all these shows, promoting this stupid book, which doesn't have the most interesting thing that happened in that campaign that we now know, is hurting the Democrats as they go into 2018 and 2020. I mean, there's a power play going on. And the Democrats are like, you know what? Get out of here. I'd like to see the next time she's on uh, Late Show or whatever. Are they going to bring it up? Oh, she's such a wonderful woman. Yeah, she stole the primary. What a wonderful woman. Our autumn breakfast tour continues next Wednesday, November 8th. We'll return to... Kirby G's on the McDonough Square, do the live radio show from 9 to 11, and have a big old Q&A session with everybody who's there afterwards. That's next Wednesday, Kirby G's, McDonough Square. That'll be our fifth leg on our autumn breakfast tour. And so far, so good. They've been fantastic. We, were, we started at Kirby G's, and it was wonderful. So look forward to getting back there. That's next Wednesday. So very quickly here, let's walk through what Donna Brazil has uh, let us know through her, her new book. Basically, the DNC uh, needed to be bailed out because Obama had left so much debt from the 2012 election, they weren't going to be able to get things going into 2016. So Hillary Clinton comes in, makes a deal with the DNC that she'll bail them out of debt, but she gets control. She gets control of the message. She gets control of where they spend their money, how they spend their money. So all of this is going on before Bernie Sanders even gets into the primary. So... Obviously, that was rigged. But take it further. So she comes in. She bails out the DNC. Uh, she brings in the money. The DNC then goes and uh, pays for the Steele dossier, where they go get all the Trump dirt. A lot of it not true. I don't know if it's all not true, but there are very salacious things in there. That, do that dossier ends up being taken seriously by the FBI for a while, and they open an investigation into Trump. <laughs> based on this dossier that was paid for by Hillary Clinton and was only able to be paid for because Hillary Clinton bailed out the D Democrat National Committee before it. And what I would like to know, President Barack Obama, why, yes, did, sir. why, did, you leave them, why did you leave them in such debt? Uh, well, uh, it's easy as this. Uh, pay as you go. Uh, I'd worked out a 20-year payment plan. 
<laughs> uh, you know, and every once in a while, you got to skip a month, right, Nick? You got uh, uh, sometimes, uh, sir. Yes, yeah, you got Christmas and uh, birthdays, and yeah. uh, you got a car payment to make. Yeah. Full behind uh, on your mortgage. Whatever happened to layaway? That's what I'd like to know. Whatever happened to layaway? You're going to Kmart. Uh, I want to get that toy. Twenty bucks here and there. Your PlayStation Four. What was your uh, what was what was the uh, monthly payment you had worked out for twenty uh, years? I had it down to four fifty. It's like a car payment. Uh, and four. then four fifty, and then uh, I had to defer it in uh, twenty fourteen. Yeah, but to go back to that, I mean, that's really amazing. You know, anybody anybody on the right who talks about the that the DOJ should be investigating the Clinton campaign. You got to remember that. I mean, then they get mocked. But you have to remember that. It's quite likely that the only reason the FBI opened this investigation on the Trump campaign was because of the information they found in that dossier that was paid for by the Hillary Clinton campaign. I see. Anybody, anybody smell a fish? Where's the Justice Department? That's what I'd like to know. <laughs> All right, we're going to do some Doctrine Extra when we get back. You know, at the beginning of the war over this new tax cut proposal that's out there. I just want to put it in people's minds. If you want to really understand what's going on here, begin to think. I don't know why more people don't do this. Begin to think of the money you earn as property, as your property. You own it first. I was talking earlier about it. it's kind of sad that they take it out before you see it because then you never you don't miss it, okay? But it is your property, your gross pay. Think of it as property that you own, because you've been convinced over time that giving twenty percent of your money, or thirty percent of your money, or thirty-five percent of your money to the government is perfectly okay. But think of it as property. So let's say you own a house. Just say you own an acre, and your house is on an acre. And the government comes in and says, 20% of your backyard belongs to us. <laughs> it's the same thing. Because you know that you own your property. But do you think the same way about your money? The money that you make, you have to remember, all of it belongs to you first. Even though you've been convinced to allow them to remove the taxes before you see it so you don't think about your gross anymore. And in reality, the way your life goes day to day, the pay is your net pay. And you don't think about it. Another way to look at it is if, uh, okay, you go to the ATM and you take out the money you made that week. Then the government comes up behind you with a gun, sticks it in your back, and says, give me 20% of that money. <laughs> or they've got one of those cameras over the card reader so they can... Oh, yeah, they see it. They, yeah. they think, well, that's kind of what they've got now, right? Yeah. It, you don't really see it happen, you know? But, you know, as far as your property, what about eminent domain? Well, the government can do that for... Uh, that's a different issue. Mm. That's a different issue because that's... Uh, I'm, it's Sometimes eminent domain is the right thing. Quite often, it's not the right thing. Yeah. You know, they get, rid of, the, they get but, rid of the mob, and they just put themselves in the place of the mob. That's exactly right. I mean, if, if you really think about it, if you think that the money belongs to you first, it's your property, then it gets, then there's a demand for your money. That's the best way, I think, if you want to achieve their nirvanic state of libertarianism, <laughs> you would see your money as your property, and they're taking property away from, from you. I'm not for zero taxation. I'm not silly. We have to build roads and bridges and uh, have uh, police and fire and all of that. But what it means is 
you can't just take it and go do anything you want with it. Yes, I know I'm going to have to give up some of my property for uh, civic means, but what it does mean is that you damn well need to sit down and ask me for the money and explain to me why you need the money and convince me why it's in my best interest to get the money. But that's not what happens. What happens is, oh, it's another bailout for the rich. The government's giving the rich more money. No, it wasn't the government's money. It was, if you make a million dollars a year, that's your million dollars before the government becomes a calling. If you make $25,000 a year, that's your $25,000 before the government comes a calling. It's a moral issue. It's, it's philosophy. It's not based on who has what at what time or where. Taking property from citizens is a moral issue. Almost all of us outside of anarchists agree that we have to have police and fire and roads and bridges and common security. Schools. But you know what you really... But I don't put that into the same thing as some sociology professor has an idea. Mm. He has an idea of what we can do to bring poverty down. Oh, you're going to come take some of my property for that? Yeah, go ahead and take it. You've, got, you've had 3,254 other ideas to bring poverty down. And here's some news for you. Here's some news for you. In the last 50 years, we spent about $20 trillion on all the programs having to do with the war on poverty. And guess what? We have just about exactly the same percentage of poverty today as we did 50 years ago. Let's do this. It's the stories, WTFs, and outrages we just couldn't miss. Extra, extra, read all about it. Before you get to your story, yeah, since we're going through things. Uh, bring, by the way, English Nick is here because Jared Yamamoto does not care about the show. He's on a beach at a wedding in West Palm. He's on a wedding. Why you know people got married so close right here? There's Jared 3 right there. Jared <laughs> 3. So uh, yesterday in the White House, there's a couple of weird uh, questions during the press conference that went down. One is, I like uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Uh I think she does a much better job than Sean Spicer. She's great. She really, you know, she handles the hostility. She absorbs it. She's pretty quick on her feet. Uh, This one I find to be a bit of a fail. And I got it out of like a conservative blog. And the headline, all headlines now for any side are like they're written by (laughs) 10-year-olds. So, uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders puts the kibosh on, or whatever. Lays the smackdown. Yeah, she lays the smackdown, but... Really, this one didn't really make any sense. A couple days earlier, Sarah had said that, um, that all presidents have their flaws. And so this was the follow-up question. What are President Trump's flaws? Probably that he has to deal with you guys on a daily basis. <laughs> that's not an answer. That's not a flaw. That's, a, that's an aggravation. Yeah. That's a snarky comeback is what it is. But it doesn't even, if you really think about it, there's no way that that's not even a good snarky comeback. Because no. a snarky comeback is... Uh, is it within context of the of the question? But this, what are President Trump's flaws? Probably that he has to deal with you guys on a daily basis. No, that's one of his frustrations. Yeah, that's a frustration. That's not a flaw. Although it's again, you know, why are they asking that question? They ask all sorts of they just, stupid they just questions. They just want to run with it. You know, let's get her to admit that he has a flaw. So uh, she's deflecting on purpose because she knows if she says that. Um, 
you know, he, uh, he he's really loud when he gargles at night or something. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever she says. He tweets on the toilet at three in the morning. Yes, if she, if, if Sarah Huckabee Sanders admits President Trump is flawed. Well, what was, there was another one. You, I mean, uh, you're going to play it. The civil war, or the yeah, uh, slavery no, question. Yeah, no. This is the dumbest question. Remember when Obama was president, the first press conference, that guy stood up and said, uh, uh, what's the most magical part of being president or something like that? Since that question, this one. I'm very frustrated. Uh-oh, by- that's not him. Sorry. Maybe I didn't put it in here. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Does this administration believe, does this president believe slavery was wrong? Hold on. Let's do that again. What? Does this president believe... <laughs> That slavery was wrong. Does this administration believe, does this president believe slavery was wrong? I think it is disgusting and absurd to suggest that anyone inside of this building would support slavery. Now that's because of what John Kelly had said earlier in the week about General Robert E. Lee being an honorable man, even though he was rebellious. Uh, Yeah, yeah. I mean, one thing takes on its own life. Yes. First of all, if you, want to have a, if you want to have a discussion about Robert E. Lee, let's get a group of historians together and discuss Robert right. E. Lee. Everything that John Kelly said was correct, historically speaking. Right. It's hard for us to understand what patriotism was at the time of the Civil War. We are all so um, Lee Greenwood, proud to live in the USA now, and our patriotism is national now and i think that's proper it wasn't that way back then people were loyal to their states they were very wary of the federal government I mean, they're certainly way more independent then than they are now robert e lee was not a slaveholder but he fought for virginia as a state against the federal government now do i think that was the right decision not from where i sit i don't think that was the right decision but you can't discuss what happened back then by applying all 2017 ideas, you have to go back in time and see what the lay of the land was. How did people think? Hey, people on the left, progressives, you remember when everybody just accepted the fact that there were only two sexes? Right? Yeah. Right. I mean, that was 20 years ago, right? Right. Now we live in a different paradigm. There's 78 genders. <laughs> now apparently there's 78. So that little example right there, that little example right there tells you that the ideas of culture change over time. The zeitgeist, if you will, change over time. That's all John Kelly was saying. In his time, he was doing what many people thought was honorable, which was fighting for the state of Virginia, even though, you know, the thing about Robert E. Lee is he didn't own slaves. I think some were passed down to to him, and then he, I don't know what he, I, I think he freed them. I think he freed them. Um... He didn't own slaves, and after the Civil War was over, his opinion was, we shouldn't have monuments to people like me. So, if you want to discuss history, you have to accept history as it was. Then bring your 2017 zeitgeist, I just love saying that word, paradigm, zeitgeist. You can bring that in and say, oh, look how far we've come, uh, you know, juxtaposed now to then. But Robert E. Lee lived in the time that he lived. He doesn't live in 2017. 
You don't know what kind of general he would be. You don't know what kind of thinker he would be. If he was the same person now as he was then, in essence, he would be opposed to slavery. He was opposed to, I don't know, he didn't own slaves. I don't know how opposed to slaves he was. But Robert E. Lee is a voice from history that's worth finding out about. But you can't speak for Robert E. Lee from 2017. You just have to learn about what happened there. doesn't make him all right about anything or all wrong. But the idea that John Kelly says he was an honorable man, John Kelly's a general. He studied war and the history of war and generals. And he, in his mind, he's comparing them to generals. All I know is Robert E. Lee is white supremacist and yeah. white transplanting white supremacist. Crunchy Carl there. So you have no nothing millennials who are challenging an academic in General John Kelly who knows what he's talking about. Academics is set up to perpetuate white supremacy and the system is ingrained. Thank you, Crunchy Carl. Yeah, you may as well say that like Hitler had some good ideas in the no, beginning. No, so. nobody's saying that. Mm, you're kind of saying that by saying someone who liked slavery or whatever and like fought for it would be like an <laughs> honorable dude, so whatever. <laughs> Sounds to me like I've met my match when it comes to historians. You can't Thank win you with so these. much. You can't win with these guys, Eric. Do you think, no, uh, you can't because we're smarter and you're old, so who cares? Do you think millennials know about the tariffs when the southern states decided to start selling the cotton to Europe and the northern states said, hey, wait a minute. Yeah. Well, you know what? I mean, it, Wait, what? Uh, now exactly. that we're, now that we're in, in, into the Civil War, my reading of the Civil War, this is just my personal reading of the Civil War, the reading that I You were like alive then, though, so it's different. That is true. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was in my early 20s. <laughs> Wait. Oh, that music says I can't explain. The Civil War, I will tell you this, in my opinion, wasn't about the North, and it wasn't about the South. It was about the West. It was about Manifest Destiny. That music says I have to shut up. We'll be back for our final segment of the week. All right, well, it's our last segment of the week. Hey, today's the day the iPhone X comes out. Yeah, if you want the uh, 256 gig, it's about $1,150. Oh, that's all right. Yeah, that's bargain. A, is it the iPhone 10 or the iPhone X? I know it's supposed iPhone to be, X. No, it's 10. I it's think you're 10, supposed to uh, say 10. I say X. But it's hard for me not to say, yeah, there's, there's lines for this thing. Yeah. Hundreds of people sat in the almost ritualistic queue outside the Apple Store in Central Sydney. Who does this guy think he's working for National Geographic? Ritualistic queue. We see the humans waiting in line. In their natural habitat. <laughs> it's in there. It's Tampa. Well, look at this. If you're not near your TV. What is your difference between local. <laughs> wow. Your, 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 local, your local TV reporters <laughs> over in Sydney, Australia. Hundreds of people sat in the almost ritualistic queue outside the Apple store in central Sydney. Now, so Tampa. Be among if you're not the first near your TV, come on over because some of your neighbors <laughs> might actually be in this line. This is outside international. <laughs> <Plaza> <laughs> in Those are Apple fans lined up. I don't see her saying a ritualistic queue. I'm here for London. London. <laughs> What's a queue? <laughs> Isn't that like a letter? Are you, uh, who's buying this thing? Anybody? Not the me. X, the 10? I just got I want to go back to the 6. Oh, you're going backward. I would love to. I hate my 7. Um, I, I, my, my iPhone's fine, except it's got a broken screen. I gotta get that fixed. I, what I understand is it's, uh, it's $1,000 for 64 Four gigs, right? Yeah, six, uh, 56. Nah, 56. On, like anyway, that. Yeah. something like that. And then if you want 256 gigs, it goes up to almost $1,200. Absolutely. The only difference in the phones is the amount of storage. 
right? That's yep. pretty much it. Yeah, that's all. There 64 is. gigs is $999.99. And on, yeah. 256 gigs is the uh, eleven forty nine and 99 cents. And on top of that, they say it's a full screen, but it's not because there's a part at the top where they have their um, cameras and stuff. Uh-huh. It looks like a little folder file up and, there. And still, you can't charge and listen at the same time. The worst. I, I also don't like this idea. It's wireless. Well, to me, wireless means I walk around, it's in my pocket, and it recharges. It's not wireless because I plug something else in and then I can lay this on <laughs> right. top of it. I think Apple's jumped the shark. How come in the 80s you had solar-charged yeah. calculators, but you can't get that on your phone? Well, what did a calculator do? <laughs> <laughs> Math. Uh, it's something. It could, do, it could charge a little something. Did yeah. you ever see a line ritualistically queued for They're the latest for outside of the Texas <laughs> Instrument Store? <laughs> Take it one step, one step further back. Oh, the abacus is out. Yes. <laughs> the ritualistic cue. Hey, our autumn breakfast tour, mm-hmm. not you, continues mm-hmm. next Wednesday, November 8th. We'll return to Kirby G's on the McDonough Square, do our live radio show from 9 to 11, then we'll do a Q&A afterwards. Come on down. They had a special breakfast menu for you. Have a lot of fun. That was the Von Hessler Doctrine. No podcast today because we don't have anybody here to run it. That was the Von Hessler Doctrine. <laughs> For the week, we'll chat with you Monday morning at 9 a.m., but until then, get off my lawn. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.